Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. We have not only the privilege of the dedication, we've had the time of worship here today through the singing of God's uh, of songs with God's word, scripture built right into it, but we want to worship God now with the opening of his word. There are a lot of people here today, which is awesome. I'm glad that you've chosen to be here, but it makes us start to question, and we think as a staff, at what point do we start thinking about a third service? And so what I would like you to do, and maybe just let Grant or Stephen or myself know, is we're, we're thinking about what would that look like. We, at Easter time, did an 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Do we do the same every Sunday morning? Or do we have a Saturday night service instead? Or do we have a Sunday uh, evening service instead? We're looking at what are the different options. So I, I just want you to fill in or just let have those conversations and just what, what would you think would work? What would you think would be best? And so we're open to those ideas. Now, just because you have an idea doesn't mean we're going to do that, just so you know. Uh, we're going to come up with what we think is the best solution, but we do want to hear feedback from everybody. And I know one of the challenges is that the parking lot is crazy, so give yourself just a little bit of extra time when you're leaving, and be patient. Remember last week, we read that scripture that says, put up with one another in love? In the parking lot, you can practice that this today. Put up with one another in love. In in fact, we'll just, we'll just assign Pastor Grant to be out there in direct traffic. So he doesn't know that, but that's what's going to happen. He can be out there in a little orange vest and direct traffic. All right. We are in a series of messages covering the book of Ephesians. We have been looking through the book of Ephesians. It's nicely divided, as I've mentioned before, in those three sections. Learning to sit, learning to walk then learning to stand. And I know, again, it seems backwards, but it won't be when we get to that. The standing is about how do I face the battle and fight the spiritual warfare that I am in in this world. We've covered sitting. What does it mean to sit and rest and receive from the Lord? How do I grow in him? And how do I understand what is my identity? And just not do, but just rest in him. And then last week, we've jumped into the section on walking. What does it mean to walk with the Lord? We're going to continue that thought today. As we go through verses 4 through 10 today, and the title of today's message is this, All Roads Don't Lead to Heaven. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Let's read together the scripture. And I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and I'll read through verse 10 here for our study time this morning. Let's look at this together. You can follow along. 
On the screen, I'm reading from a version called the TLV version. It's the Tree of Life version. Just so you know, a little bit of background for you. There's a lot of different versions of the Bible, but all of those versions are translations out of the original Hebrew and Greek language. Groups of scholars get together. They put it together. They interpret it the best that they can understand based upon the original Hebrew and Greek words. This is just a version that I really like because it ties in a lot of the Hebrew understanding into it. Here's what it says. Paul writes this, chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Therefore, because of everything I had previously said about resting, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. Now, last week we talked about what that means, to walk worthy of God, to walk in a manner that you're a good representative of him. When you're going through life, you have his name on the back of your jersey. So make sure you're living right, acting right, functioning right, because you are a representative of God. I'll never forget when uh, we were starting the church, we had these little bumper stickers. And I don't know if we still have any over in the Welcome Center today, but we had these little bumper stickers that said Journey Church on them. And people would put them on their car, in their window, whatever it might be. And I remember a couple coming to me saying... Yeah, we were, we were leaving church, and we were speeding well beyond the speed limit, and we had the Journey Church sticker in our window, and the police officer actually asked us about that when he pulled us over. That's not being a good representative. If you're going to take a bumper sticker, do not break the law. And we do have some of those back there. Ben is just showing me. If you take one of those, be a good representative when you drive. No road rage. No swerving in and out, no gestures that you're giving to other people on the road. Be a good representative. And that's what Paul's saying. Walk in a manner worthy of God as you're living out your life. I don't know if that challenged any of you this week, but I hope it did. Here's what that's going to look like, he says. With complete humility, gentleness, patience, putting up with one another in love. Did you practice that this last week? Were you more humble and gentle and patient? And did you put up with each other? At home, as you're married and having married life, were you more patient? Were you kinder? Were you more gentle? Were you putting up with each other? That's what Paul is saying that God wants to see happen in our lives. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. That's the ruach in the Hebrew in the bond of peace. That is shalom in Hebrew. Here's what he's going to go on. This is what we're going to look at today. There is one body, one spirit, just as you also were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given in keeping with the measure of Jesus's Messiah's gift. Therefore, it says... A prophecy out of the book of Psalms. When he went on high, he led captive a troop of captives and gave gifts to his people. Now Paul says, what does that mean? He went up, except that he first went down to the lower regions of the earth. The one who came down is the same one who went up far above all the heavens in order to fill all Things We're going to look at today the fact that not all roads lead to heaven. Let's pray as we begin. Father, 
help me to speak for you in a way that's understandable. Lord, help the Bible to come alive. That this is not just a time where we can talk deep theology. This is a time where the Bible becomes relevant. Lord, help me to communicate this in such a way that this makes sense. And it's relevant to where we're at in our lives today. The Bible is what you have given us. It's not something to be so complicated that we can't understand. It's something that we can apply to our lives and make relevant to our lives. So, Lord, help us today to understand this. Help us to firmly know what we believe and why we believe it. Help us to understand what Jesus accomplished when he came here so that we can walk in a manner worthy of you. We don't walk worthy of you just because we're trying really hard and want to do a good job. We want to walk worthy of you because what you've already done for us. Lord, show us that truth today. Help us to understand that truth. Help us to receive it and walk in it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, let's get into this. What we believe. It's the only point of the message today. I don't have multiple points. There's not four different things we're going to talk about. It's just simply this, what we believe. And that's what Paul lays out. Paul says, I want you to walk worthy, but you're not walking worthy because you're trying to earn God's favor. God's already given that to you. You walk worthy in response to what God has already done in your life. If God has been real in your life, if he's already done a work in your life, now you're going to walk worthy of God. What do we believe? Well, let's look at this together, and I'm going to highlight some different things. I want to go back to the scripture that we read, and I want to highlight some of these things for you here this morning. Here's what Paul is writing. Here's the summary of our faith. He says this, there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were also called, there's one hope of your calling, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, it's what you are being immersed into, there is one God and one Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. In this, he's given the statement of what is the summary of our Faith. Many people think that multiple roads lead to heaven. In fact, I heard a story about a person who had died and they went to heaven. And as they were there in heaven, they were being given a tour by the angel that was showing them around heaven. But this person who had died noticed that there were these large walls on both sides of the place where they were going to live. Large barrier walls that were set up and erected. And the person said to the angel, well, what are those walls? Why are they there? The angel said, well, those walls are to separate out the different sections of heaven. Because you see, on the other side of the wall is the Mormons. On the other side of that wall is the Islam. On the other side of that wall is Jehovah Witness. On the other side of that wall is the Hindus. Everybody is in heaven, but... Nobody thinks anybody else is. And so we set up these walls so that would, nobody would actually know because they think theirs is the only way to heaven. Now, that statement, that story is false. There are not many roads that are going to lead you to heaven. There's not many different ways and many different avenues. There's only one, one body, that is the church. One spirit. Now, when I say church, I'm not talking journey church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. 
You're a part of the church when you accept Jesus into your life. You become a part of the universal church around the world across all times. You're part of the church. There's only one church. Not many, not many different roads. One, he says. There's only one spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. There's only one spirit. There's not multiple gods. There's just one. There's one hope. You cannot put your hope in anything else. There is one hope, Paul says, that you can have. There's one Lord. That is Jesus, Messiah, who is Lord and King over all. There's one faith, one way of salvation, one belief system, not many. There's one baptism that you're baptized into. You're not baptized into another religion. That's not the way it is. There's one baptism that counts, not many. There's one God, there's one Father who's over all, through all, and in all. Jesus talks about this when he talks about the fact that not all roads lead to heaven. He says it's a very narrow path and a very narrow way that leads there. Jesus is very narrow-minded. He is not open to everything. He's not tolerant of everything. It's one way, one plan, one man. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. Those who enter through it are many. It's just the way of the world. How narrow is the gate and difficult the way that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So Jesus says it's, it's just one path, one man, one faith, one body, one baptism, one spirit, one God, one Lord who is over all and above all. That is, that is the plan. I want to show you today and just lay out for you today, and I'm going to try to do this quickly because we don't have a lot of time to dive into this, but I want to show you what some other religions and cults believe. Just so that you can have some background knowledge in your own mind. What I have found in most people is that they try to bring a hodgepodge or a, a, a conglomeration of beliefs and they put it all together and they stir it up and they take a little bit from each one and they call that their faith. But that's not what Jesus presents. It's one way, one plan, one man. So I want to show you just four of these that are the most relevant probably in your life, the things that you might hear the most. I mean, there's all kinds of them. We just don't have time to get into all of that. So let me tell you a little bit about some of these. Let me start, and I'll just divide this. We'll just cover four of these today. Let's just look real quickly at Islam. Let me look at Hinduism. Then we're going to look at the Mormons and then we'll look at Jehovah Witness. We'll look at just those four because it seems like where we are, those might be the most four that you would hear about. There's all kinds of other ones, and we could talk about that some other time one-on-one. -on -one. But let me just tell you, and I want to show you the common denominator in all of these. So let's talk about Islam. Islam was founded by a guy by the name of Muhammad. Now, Muhammad had a revelation from the God of Islam called Allah. Allah is one God. They do not believe in multiple gods. In fact, they think Jews and Christians have corrupted the original teachings, and they believe that Christians are absolutely going to hell because they say, well, you believe in three gods, which is not the case. It is the Trinity. We don't have time to get into all of that today. God is one. The greatest sin in Islam is not believing that God is one. They believe that Jesus is one of the most respected of all 
all the prophets that Islam had sent. There were 124,000 that were sent. Jesus is one of the most respected of all of them, but he is not God. He is not the son of God. He was not crucified. However, they believe in the end times theology that they have that Jesus will return in order to convince Christians that they've gotten it all wrong and they'll turn to Islam. How is a person saved in Islam? Well, it is by being good. That's how you're saved. You believe Allah, you do the tenets of Islam, and you are a good person. And as long as the good outweighs the bad, you will be saved. So how are you saved? By being good. By doing what they say. By doing the ritualistic things. And that's how you're going to be saved. Now, I want you to notice this, that it's about what you do. If you keep the rituals, if you are good, if you believe the right things, if you do the right things, then ultimately you can be saved. And what does eternal life look like? Well, there's a resurrection of the bodies. However, you will be able to go to paradise, and in paradise, it will be a garden populated with maidens designed by Allah to give sexual pleasures to the righteous men. Does this feel like a male-dominated kind of a thing? It's all about what I want. It's all about what I need. And that's how salvation happens. One of Satan's plans is to distort truth or to turn other people away from the truth of God in order to follow something that is false in order to not know the Lord. Let's talk about Hinduism. Hinduism, the key person is a guy by the name... Uh, actually, I'm sorry, there's no, no one key leader in Hinduism. I was thinking of Buddhism. Hinduism started sometime around 2000 to 1000 BC. It is the idea out of the Bhagavad Gita. There's a couple of other writings that go along with it. God is the absolute spirit, the universal spirit, and everybody is part of that universal spirit, like drops of water in an ocean. You're just part of the overall spiritual idea of the force, and that's how it works. You're a part of the overall force, and that is what happens out of Hinduism. Now, Jesus is a great teacher, they think, in Hinduism, but he is not the son of God. His sins, uh, his punishment for sins didn't accomplish anything. In fact, they don't even believe that he did die on the cross or that he did rise again. Well, how, is, how does it work? How is salvation in this state? Well, it's through something called reincarnation. Reincarnation means that you, because you have been a good person and you have good karma, that you can come back as a better person. And if you've been a bad person because of bad karma, you will come back as a bad person. And that's what reincarnation is. It's a continual cycle of always coming back better and better. And you're always going to be reincarnated until you finally reach the ultimate state in which through all of these times of reincarnation, through yoga, through meditation, you can reach union with Brahman. And that's the idea. Just keep being good. So what is the fundamental theme? Well, again, it's about me being good and me ultimately reaching that final goal from being good. Okay, what about Mormonism? 
Well, Mormonism comes out of the 1830 movement of Joseph Smith. At the age of 17, Joseph Smith received visions from an angel called Moroni. Moroni only appeared to Joseph Smith. They gave several different golden plates that had all of the new scripture, the Book of Mormon, written on this. It became the new belief system. What they believe about God is this, that God was once just a man, like many of you, but he progressed to Godhood. He has a physical body, as does his wife, the Heavenly Mother. There's no trinity, no father, no son, Holy Ghost. They are three separate gods. And if you are a worthy enough person that one day you can become a god yourself over your own planet somewhere. Jesus is a separate God from the Father. He was created as a spirit child by the Father and by the Mother in heaven. He is the elder brother of all men, all mankind. He's just the older brother. And he was, he was created through the sexual union between Elohim and Mary. Now Jesus, according to the Mormons, was married. His death on the cross does not provide full atonement for sin. And it does, though, provide resurrection for people. And so that's who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is different from the Holy Ghost in the Mormon belief system. It's, it's like the influence or the electricity that runs through everything. Salvation happens by, again, being good enough. If you're faithful to church leaders, if you're baptized in the Mormon belief, if you tithe, if you're ordained, if you're married in the Mormon temple, and if you keep the secret temple rites, and you go on missions, then you can have eternal life. But there's no eternal life without Mormon membership. So how do you, how do you get saved in the Mormon church? Well, you're, you, you, you be good, and you keep all of the Mormon rites and rituals. And that's how you can be saved. Again, it's about what you do, and it's about how much you do. Eventually, everyone is going to go to one of the separate heavenly kingdoms, but some it's going to be more punishing than others. But again, it's about if you're good enough. Finally, Jehovah Witness. Let me just talk about that real quickly. The key person was Charles Taze Russell and also Joseph Rutherford. And they, they came up with this idea that you will be able to live forever with Jehovah, the one God called Jehovah. Now, Jesus is the first thing that Jehovah ever created. Jesus is not God. Before he lived on earth, he was Michael the archangel. On earth, he was just a man who happened to live a perfect life. After dying on the stake, not a cross, he died on a stake, he was resurrected as a spirit and his body was destroyed. They believe that Jesus actually returned in 1914 and that he will come back again in order to set everything correct. The only ones that will be saved are the Jehovah Witnesses. There was a problem that happened though, that there was a number in the Bible in the book of Revelation that was 144,000. They believe that's how many are going to be saved. That number has already been met well long ago, so they had to come up with a new theology. The 144,000 will go to heaven. Everybody else who's a Jehovah Witness will stay here for a 1,000 years while Jesus is reigning here, and they have to live an absolutely perfect, um, holy life in order for Jesus to finally accept them at the end. How are you saved? Well, you've got to be baptized as a Jehovah Witness. You earn salvation on earth by going door to door. 
by doing good works for God. And in that eternal life, if you don't obey God during those thousand years, you will be annihilated. So what is the fundamental thing? You, you be good and you do what the Jehovah Witnesses say, like being baptized and going door to door. Now, do you understand the theme? Every theme of every religion out there in the world today is this. You do good, you keep the rituals. You be a good person, you get reincarnated. You be good and you keep those Mormon rites. You be good and be a good Jehovah Witness and maybe you can be saved and it's always so fuzzy. Can I really be saved? Can I really find eternal life? Can I really experience salvation? And the answer in all of those is, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, if you follow what they say. Go back to what Paul says. There's only one body. There's only one spirit. There's only one hope. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith, there's only one baptism, there's only one God, and there's only one Father. And he is over all, and he is through all, and he's in all. There's not many roads, there's not many ways, there's not many other beliefs, there's only one way. And what Christianity says is this, you're not good enough, and you'll never be good enough. And you can't do it well enough, and you'll never measure up. But the grace of God is this, but I love you anyway. And I'm going to give you an opportunity, and I'm going to make a way so that you can have hope. And you can understand what your calling is. He goes on to say this, and I want you to notice the work of Jesus. But to each one of us, grace was given in keeping with the measure of Messiah's gift. Therefore, it says, when he went up on high, he led captive a troop of captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, what does it mean that he went up? except that he first went down to the lower regions of the earth. The one who came down is the same one who went up far above all the heavens in order to fill all things. Now, Paul is quoting something out of the book of Psalms, Psalm 68. And this is a prophecy of what the Messiah would do. You've ascended on high. You've led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. That is what he is quoting. I want you to notice these words. To each one of us was given, given in keeping with the measure of Messiah's gift. So each one of us was given a gift. Therefore, it says he went up on high. That means he ascended. He led captive a troop of captives. And he gave gifts, he gave gifts to his people. Now, what does it mean that he went up? He ascended, except that he first went down to the lower regions of the earth. The one who came down is the same one who went up for above all the heavens in order to fill all things. Let me tell you what this means. I don't know if you remember the song. Uh, Lord, I lift your name on high. Do you guys remember that at all? I mean, it was a popular song for a long, long time. Lord, I lift your name on high. And the whole premise of the song is this, that he came from heaven to earth to show the way. He went from earth to the cross, my debt to pay, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Now, it's a very simple song. But it's based upon this idea. Here's what Jesus did. He ascended into heaven is what it says. So he ascended. He went up. He ascended. But when did he ascend? At the end of his ministry. Acts chapter 1. You can look at it. He went up. It also says, though, that he went down. He came down. What does that mean that he came down? It means he went from heaven 
here. Think about it for just a moment. What would that have been like for the God of the universe to leave the throne room of heaven in order to come here? Is that a trade you would make? If somebody said to you, I have a beachfront condo on the beaches of Cancun, and I want to give this to you for free, you can have it. Or you can live in North Dakota, <laughs> middle of North Dakota. You can choose which one do you want. What do you, what do you, what's, which is going to be a better choice? Well, probably beachfront Cancun. Jesus left the throne room of heaven far better than anything in Cancun that we could possibly imagine, and he came here. He had power, majesty, authority, came here to a place where he didn't have that. He could do incredible miracles. He was still the son of God, but he had nothing. And then he was going to suffer and go to the cross on our behalf. After that happened, he ascended back into heaven. Now, what does it say that he did when he came here? Well, he came in order to bring gifts. He came to bring you a gift. What is the gift that he came to bring for you? It's called the gift of grace. He brought you grace. He looked down. And he saw the mess of our lives. He looked at my life. He said, that is a mess. Look at what he did. Look at how he acted. Look at what he said. Look at his heart. And he came down, seeing my life was a mess. And it wasn't just my life. It was everybody's life across this room. And he looks down. And he says, that life is a mess. They can't save themselves by doing good. And keeping the rituals and trying really hard, they can't save themselves. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come down to them. I'm going to get to their level. And I'm going to offer to them a gift. The gift of grace. And if they will accept that gift of grace, what happens? Well, when they come down and, ex and he extends that gift of grace, he leads us free. He led captive a troop of captives, and he gave gifts to his people. What does, that, what does that mean? Well, he set you free. Jesus came to set you free. What does that practically mean for us? It means that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. It doesn't matter the depths to which you have sunk. God is able still to reach down, offer you a gift of freedom, and set you free. And that is why we walk worthy. The motivation to walk worthy is because God has set me free. Because he has come down and he has provided everything I need for life. That gift also includes, when he ascended, includes the Holy Spirit that was poured out upon us. Jesus said this, he warned of this in John 16, 7, but I tell you the truth... It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You have the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your life, because of the work of Jesus, because of his ascension, because of his death, because of what he had accomplished, the Holy Spirit is now for you. So we have received the blessing. We have received the gifts I, I just want to point out to you one final verse. 
And then I'll wrap this up. The final verse is this. Again, you may have wandered away from God. You may have strayed. You may feel like, well, I'm not good enough. I don't matter. I'm unlovable. I hate who I am. I am rejectable. I'm unforgivable. You may feel like that about yourself because of your life. One option is you could say, well, okay, I'm just going to try as much as I can for my final years. I'm going to just try to be a good person. And I'm going to hope that the giant scale in the sky, there's more on the good side than there is on the bad side. And I, I just hope that it works out. You know, I have no surety. I have no certainty. I just hope it works out. The other option is this. In Christianity, different from every other religion there is, God looked at us and said, you can't do it. But I love you, and I'm willing to come down for you. Jesus told this parable. He said, what do you think? If a certain man has a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray... Won't he leave the 99 on the mountains where they're safe and go looking for the one that is straying? And if he finds it, amen. The word amen means true, truly, truly, I tell you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that didn't stray. Even so, it's not the will of your father in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost. Do you know that's how God pursues you? He pursues you like a sheep that has wandered away, who is lost. You may feel that today. You may feel completely lost, completely alone, completely hopeless, have no idea what you're doing. The God of the universe, the creator of all, says, I'm going to go after you. Why would he do that? Because I have so much to offer. No, I have nothing to offer. He'll go after me. He'll go after you because he loves you. That is the message of the gospel. Now, when you understand how much God loves you, do you know what the natural response is that, uh, to that is? God, I want to walk worthy of you. You've accepted me. You have forgiven me. You have shown me grace. You've given me love. What can I do in return I'm not going to do it because I'm going to try to convince God that, yeah, he was, he was right in selecting me. He was right in, in, in choosing me. No, I just want to respond to a loving father in the best way that I possibly can. God, for you, I want to I walk worthy. That's the challenge for all of us. Not all roads lead to heaven. Be careful what you believe. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful what you read. Be discerning in what you are absorbing because not all roads lead to heaven. We cannot take a little bit of everything and put it together. There's only one way. There's only one body. There's only one church. There is only one faith, one God, one baptism, one Lord over all, and his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me and we will conclude. Father, I pray that we would know your word, that we would know you, that you would keep working in our hearts and our lives. I pray, Lord, that in knowing you in such a real way, that it would motivate us to want to walk in a manner worthy of you. I I don't want to just love my wife, Lord, because I'm supposed to. I want to love her because you've changed me from the inside out and I am not the same person that I used to be. 
I don't want to just love my kids, Lord, because that's what you're supposed to do as a parent. I, I want to love them because you've changed me from the inside out. You saved me. I want to be a better person in life, not because I have to and I'm trying to earn your favor in some manner, Lord, or do some checklist. I want to be a better person because you have loved me and you pursued me and you have changed me from the inside out. Lord, there are some in this room today that are ready to be changed from the inside out. They have not been a good person. They have wandered away from you. They have been far from you. They have consumed their own selfish interests for far too long. They have wandered around aimlessly and hopelessly in life, really wasting life, Lord. But you haven't stopped pursuing them. You haven't stopped talking to them and telling them, I love you. I want you to follow me. I want you to be different. Lord, I pray for that person today, that today they would say, Jesus, please come into my heart. I'm sick of living aimlessly. I'm sick of wandering around, Lord. Please come into my heart and change me. I want to walk worthy of you, but I know it can't happen until I'm fully surrendered and completely yours. Lord, as we leave this place, bless us, protect us, and help us to make a difference in this world. Help us to walk in a manner worthy of you this week with all patience and gentleness, being kind, not being bitter, being forgiving, putting up with one another in love. Lord, help us to follow you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week and hope to see you back here next week and put up with one another in love in the parking lot. See you then. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.